1: BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. Welcome
2: to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk.
3: Welcome to this Christmas special edition of the Times Opinion Podcast and for this edition I'm joined by the columnist Hugo Rifkind and assistant editor of the Times Anne Ashworth and our very special guest is our award-winning cartoonist at the Times Peter Brooks and some of you may remember last year we did a Christmas special when we reviewed the year through Peter's cartoons and we're going to have another go at doing it this year and you may have spotted the one problem with this idea is that this is audio and we're looking at cartoons so peter as we go through five of his favorite cartoons from the year is going to briefly describe uh, what they look like and for time subscribers if you go to the times.co.uk slash central and um, i'm going to post those cartoons there and you can have a look at them in their full technicolor glory but uh peter welcome and the first cartoon uh you've chosen for us features uh, vladimir putin and the tragic downing of the malaysian mh-17 aircraft yes
2: thank you yes putin and mh-17 um what i have here is a cartoon of putin in his trophy room um surrounded on the wall by pandas lions tigers Rhinos, The sort of thing he'd probably shoot if he could. And he's um, um, arm up against, on the mantelpiece, um, stripped to the waist as he normally is, uh, with fatigues. Looking very macho. Very macho, uh, with fatigues. But centre stage and centrepiece on the wall is a huge um, nose cone of MH17. Now, the problem I had with this and with some readers was that because I'm a cartoonist, it's meant to be funny. In fact, quite often as a political cartoonist, you're not trying to be funny, and this was one of those. And the other problem, of course, was I did it on the day or soon after the actual downing of the airliner that it was possible for me to draw. Uh, And there was no absolute final proof that it was Putin who shot him down shot it down but um, they were Russian-backed rebels and I think there's no doubt at all really that the uh, armaments were Russian uh, and they were quite probably Russian-trained.
3: And Hugo Rifkin, the extraordinary thing about this incident was is, is that here was a jetliner with huge numbers of people on board killed and actually the world moved on from the incident incredibly quickly given the significance of what occurred.
4: Well I mean yes and what's remarkable about it, thinking about it now, is yes it it was six months ago nothing's happened you know the situation I mean Peter said you know it wasn't clear immediately what the situation was the situation is unchanged from the moments afterwards when it wasn't clear what the situation was almost certainly they were Russian backed or Russian trained using Russian armaments probably but it's not been verified in any in any sort of admitted way russia's not apologized or expressed any contrition there's been condemnation and sanctions but they haven't really done anything i mean they're hurting russia but they're not they're not really hurting putin you know nothing nothing's changed at all the world sort of rumbles on exactly as you it, say.
3: If anything's hurting Putin it's probably more the falling oil prices.
4: But even that I think is regarded as um as a the, the kind of you know the depredations of the wider world from which Putin is defending Russia.
3: Yeah it's all a conspiracy Absolutely. against him. Um Anne Ashworth um a year ago um reflecting on 2013 the times made Vladimir Putin our international person of the year not because we thought he was a great person of the year, but because he'd had such an impact, for example, on the the Syrian conflict, he could equally be a very good candidate for the the international person of the year. Again, he continu- his malign influence continues to cast a very long shadow over world affairs.
5: Well, that prediction certainly turned out to be right. But when I looked at this cartoon again, I felt the true horror of those events creep over me the manner of these people's death the way in which the the site of the crash has not yet been cleared up and also that the families of those who perished in this terrible way have had no have had nothing that seems like justice. Meanwhile, we may feel as if we've moved on. Putin certainly m- has moved on, but into a mire of, of financial and economic problems that I think he will have huge issues trying to emerge from it uh, next year. The 22% fall this month alone in the value of the ruble poses huge strain on Russia's economy and how he manages to spin this, how he manages to depict this as the forces of Russia's enemies rather than the fault of his own administration's economic policies. I have no idea.
2: No.
3: Peter, a lot of your cartoons are domestic and we're going to turn to those. In a moment, and of course, a lot of the domestic ones they have words on as well. This is an international cartoon, no words on, and I think I'm responsible for getting you onto Twitter, and uh, (laughs) and you've become quite uh, an addict uh, to it. But this did actually, this actually was picked up all across the world. This cartoon, wasn't
2: it? Yes, it was. Yes, it went viral, and um, um, yeah, it it was the cartoon that I had uh, most reaction. From really in the, in the last year.
3: Okay, well, let's, as I say, move on to your uh, second cartoon. It's domestic politics, and there's a, a frightening picture there of Mr Farage at the centre of it.
2: Yes, the, I, I drew this the day after Douglas Carswell retook Clacton, but for UKIP rather than the Tories. And um, I show. Farage, as Jack Nicholson breaking through the door of Number Ten, uh, Jack Nicholson in the Shining, where he's breaking down the door and you get the famous line, "Not here's Johnny, but here's niji. <laughs> and and cowering in the corner is uh, extremely worried, frightened. Uh, Petrified. He does look absolutely terrified. Well, I think he is and he isn't (laughs) in a (laughs) political sense, but uh, he certainly, I think, probably was at that juncture. Um, uh, Cameron, this is, by the way. If (coughs) if anyone's going to see Cameron off, it's it's Farage and his um, cohorts, really, I would have thought, or the effect.
3: Yeah. Kazan Ashworth, if we had a traditional general election, a two-party fight between Labour and the Conservatives, and if it was David Cameron versus Ed Miliband, I think the Tories would be pretty confident of staying in power next May, but we don't have a two-party contest. We have a three, four, maybe even five-party contest at the next general election. Is Nigel Farage fading? Is there signs that he's on the slide, or is he going to be the great gatecrasher of this general election?
5: Whether or not he's fading, he his influence will remain, because he has set the mood music for all the other parties this year. So much of what Cameron has done and said has been based out of fear of what UKIP could do to the Conservative vote. And we've also seen Ed Miliband, whether or not he would admit of it, reacting to the threat to Labour that comes from UKIP. And Nigel Farage is just an, another sign of a, a thing that I've just felt happening throughout the whole of the year, this atomisation of, of Britain, of everybody declaring themselves to be Welsh, Welsh first or Scottish first rather than British first. And this idea that we are that separate interests rather than the common good and some feeling of real belonging to Britain is beginning to be kind of fade. Now, that might very well disappear, but I've felt this year that everybody has been pursuing their own agenda rather than thinking, how can we come together? And, even uh, and Nigel
3: Farage is the, sec- the sort of sectional English equivalent of Alex Salmon north of the border, you think?
5: Almost certainly so.
3: Yeah. Um, Hugo, in this uh, Peter Brooks cartoon... It's a pretty ugly, menacing, almost sinister-looking Nigel Farage. You've written regularly about how much you think um, UKIP are actually an extremist, malign force yeah. in British politics. Now, it's clear in opinion polls that a majority of the people agree with you, yeah. but that doesn't matter so long as 15%, 20% of the British people are still willing to vote for him. Or do you think there's a chance that that number will start to slide Dramatically, as we as we approach polling day next year,
4: I well, there's a couple of questions in that. I think it probably will slide because generally, when we get into an election, people start deciding who they want as prime minister. That's why they vote, and they start thinking about whether whether they want the Labour guy or the Tory guy, and uh, and it's very. It's much easier to. I mean, I know we're going to we'll come on to talk about the Scottish nationalism stuff later. It's very easy to to think in in wider terms when there's not actually an election going on. Mm. When there is actually an election going on, people want to say. What I thought. What's interesting about this cartoon, of course, is that it. I mean, it's from October, and in October, we were still all very much thinking. Even 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 just then of UKIP as primarily a Conservative problem, and in fact yet the Conservatives have a long-running problem with the 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 Tory working-class vote and how to hold on to it and generally try and hold on to it in a variety of what I'd regard as fairly cynical ways, you may disagree. Um, But since then it's become much more obvious that it seems to me that if UKIP poses an existential threat to anybody, then it's to Labour. You know, it's it's the Labour heartlands that can could really Although the
3: opinion polling is pretty clear at the moment, most of UKIP voters are coming from the Tories. I agree mm-hmm. long term yeah. that might change, but just for the next election, I think um it's still largely a threat to the Conservatives.
4: Sure, but I think longer term, I think UKIP's better better understood not as a reconfiguration of of the British right, but as a reconfiguration of how the British working class votes. Yeah.
3: And Peter, would I be right in saying that you've probably drawn Nigel Farage more than any other person
2: this oh, year oh I think I've probably drawn Ed Miliband more <laughs> than, uh, like, uh, but that might be a personal sort of take of mine uh, but I have drawn him a lot yeah yeah. yeah yeah
3: well just as you mentioned Ed Miliband we have an Ed Miliband cartoon and um, I was at a recent Times Red box event and the final questioner said the Tories don't need to put any posters out. They don't need to design any posters. They just need to take Peter Brooks's cartoon of Ed Miliband and put those all over the country. That'll be enough to stop anyone voting for Labour. Do you feel guilty when you hear things like that? Because your Wallace and Gromit uh, meme for the Labour leader and Shadow Chancellor has been mentioned in Prime Minister's Question Time. It's sort of it's become quite a mainstream thought in people's minds
2: yeah um and i'm glad of it from <laughs> from the point of view of uh, um wanting ed Miliband to get nowhere but no i have a particular problem in that i vote labor always have voted labor and uh my problem is, um, it's a bit like the Neil Kinnock problem. Years ago, I voted for Neil Kinnock at the general election, but I hope the hell he didn't win. And it'll be the same this time round, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. But, no, anyone who knifes his brother in the back to get into power, to, me, to my mind, starts off on a pretty bad foot. Uh, um, now
3: the, l- 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 let's take this cartoon, because this was the year we saw Who Wants a, Billi- a Millionaire, the uh, TV quiz show, End, and you did a who wants to be a millionaire uh, theme with ed milliband as the contestant
2: yes um well ed, ed milliband um, is wallace always in my cartoons and actually ed balls is also gromit but uh, he's not in this cartoon but ed balls usually got his hand over his eyes you know because milliband said something dumb but anyway that aside um he is the contestant On the program, and whenever the contestant appeared, you had these lozenges underneath, which had the question, and then four choices to be made, which the the contestant had to make one choice. And the question is: What are Labour's chances of convincing voters on the economy? A zero, B zilch, (laughs) C naught percent, or D sod all. (laughs) And that's my sort of feeling about um ed Miliband and <laughs> and and, uh, and the general sort of uh, approach he takes to polit- uh, not uh, to the economy and uh i mean let's face it all sorts of things have happened since I, I drew this cartoon in february but i don't think he's done anything at all to convince certainly not me that um you know he's going to get anywhere with um, his e- economic policies
3: uh Anne ashworth can Ed Miliband become Prime Minister without convincing the British people that he can be trusted with the economy?
5: Uh, You know, I'm just looking at this cartoon again and I've decided that it's almost determinist for Miliband. He's playing out the persona that Peter Brooks has created for him, (laughs) i.e., inept, blundering, and unable to get his way out of his own messes. The Minister's the man who forgot to mention Britain's deficit in his great in his speech at the party conference now it doesn't necessarily fill you with a great deal of confidence and as hugo just said when it comes towards an election people think who is the guy who i'd like to see as my prime minister that as the statesman on the great international stage and being convincing on the economy is part of that. And I cannot see how people can envisage him in that role because he seems to come from as a kind of rarefied breed in the same way that Clegg does, of these people who've actually never looked at a bill and thought, how on earth do I pay this? And I think that's an essential for success in, pr- in in economic and public life to have known exactly what it feels like to be really, mm. really short of money. And none of these people have, and that includes Nigel Farage.
3: Hugo Rifkin in my lifetime, there'll be some listeners who are a bit younger that may not remember, but do you remember when Spitting Image presented David Steele as this sort of, of, of very small uh, character, uh, thrall to David Owen, just yes. his puppet? Just w- it really, I think, damaged David Steele to a huge... I can't think of a sort of a cartoon image that perhaps has done quite so much damage since then to a party leader as Peter's Wallace and Gromit has done to... Ed Miliband. Is that Peter's I'll come in, in a minute, yeah, Peter, yeah. but Sorry. do you agree with that or am I I, oh, uh could
4: not I I d I couldn't I couldn't think of one off the top of my head, but it's it's i mean it's it's because it's so apt. I mean it's not some you know, it's it's not it's not that Peter's taken this otherwise innocent, well well meaning, successful person and destroyed him. <laughs> you know, it, it it perfectly fits. I mean what what's what's of course fascinating about this is that it plays completely into I mean, into both what Labour are saying and what the Tories are saying because because he didn't, he didn't just forget to mention the deficit. He didn't want to talk about the deficit. And so he didn't, you know. And whether, on what level he didn't want to talk about it, yeah. we can only speculate. He, and didn't, the, he uh, didn't
3: mention immigration or welfare in that speech he didn't, either. He didn't
4: really mention anything. Um, for,
3: he was, uh, no. Do you think he was so busy trying to remember those names of those people he <laughs> met? Hampstead G-
4: Gareth. Gareth. Yeah. he met in the pod.
0: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite.
3: Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier.
1: This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. He was so worried
3: about getting the names wrong, he actually perhaps...
4: Except except you can can bet Gareth mentioned the bloody deficit. (laughs) But but, I mean, what the Tories are doing at the moment, I think I find completely fascinating because... uh, Coming out, of, coming out of recession, going into an election, the traditional thing for a party like the Tories to be doing would be to be saying, look, the economy's doing great, we need to worry about it less. Mm. But they're not. They're saying, keep worrying about the economy. Because yeah. they, they know that if people worry about the economy, they don't want to vote for Ed Miliband. Of
3: course, they've got a very mixed message, though. They're saying worry about the economy, they're also promising tax cuts. It's a slightly confused message. They can afford yeah. tax cuts, but they won't spell out the spending. As long as you
4: stay worried. Yeah. You can be rich, but worried. Yeah, that's what's important. You,
3: you you were wanted to come in on me, Peter, when I was talking about the
2: damage I thought this cartoon might have done to a Miliband. Yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt. No. no, no just one politician who was nailed by a cartoonist uh, some years ago. Now was Steve Bell's John Major and the mm-hmm. underpants. Oh, the underpants course, worn on the outside. And, yeah. and uh, you know, now and again these things come round. Uh, not very often that you can do somebody and you know you can continue with it and it becomes a running joke if you like because
3: the spitting image portrayal of margaret thatcher as the sort of very tough bossy woman actually served her purposes quite well she She wanted to be seen as the only man in the cabinet yes that's right
2: well in this case um miliband's office have put out press releases and uh He's appeared on on Andrew Marr, sort of defending himself against the Wallace image. So, you know, if they keep defending themselves, you think probably it's had some effect.
3: Well, I'm a Tory supporter and I'm throwing bricks at David Cameron and you're a Labour supporter, throwing your pen at uh, Ed Miliband. So there's a a fairness in there somewhere over the course of the (laughs) times. Now, cartoon four, Peter, the Scottish independence vote was probably one of the big events of 2014.
2: And describe your fourth choice for us. Well, this is Alex Salmond, and again, as with Farage, um, this year, somebody's emerged who a cartoonist can really make hay with. And um, Alex Salmond, to me, pretty early on in the year, resembled Mickey Mouse um, Mm. facially. Um, He's got this... um, sort of quite roundish face and the eyes are large and all you've got to do is put thick black eyebrows in and a little tuft of hair on the top and you've got Mickey Mouse but the real reason that I felt I wanted to continue using him as Mickey Mouse in the cartoons was that the policies were Mickey Mouse so <laughs> the whole thing came together I mean if you've got, if you're keeping the Queen and you're keeping the Pound uh, I mean, how independent is that? I mean, that's really what I was getting at in one of the first cartoons I did. And so here we have him as um, Mickey Mouse um, uh, saying the queen, the poon, independence in his kilt, uh, Scottish, corny Scottish background. Uh, but what I was able to play with also was that the Mickey Mouse ears famously these large black discs Mm -hmm. became the two sides of the pound coin always and it took a little bit of drawing each time i had to do it but it was great fun to do so that's the way i always depicted him
3: how how often do you get the subjects of your cartoons or friends
2: of the subjects of your cartoons asking to acquire them well luckily i deal through a gallery so i don't have to deal (laughs) i don't deal with it and they farm you know they they sort of uh, when they come through they Mm -hmm put them onto it so I don't know but without without
3: are. revealing identities I've been in politicians houses and cartoons that aren't particularly flattering of them are nonetheless in pride of place in their house I think I you, know you, uh, you feed uh, the always, egos of always these in the toilets yes
5: it's passive aggressive a depiction of yourself <laughs> yeah
2: yeah and, and also you feel actually from my point of view is if they want it you failed basically yeah,
3: well, mitch mcconnell the new um republican leader of the senate he has a massive office which i i visited uh, a couple of years ago a massive office with this huge wall and one of the walls is completely full of cartoons about him that are anti him he Mm. never puts up a cartoon uh, and it keeps him humble and it (laughs) amuses him hugo Mm. the um independence vote it was an awful lot closer than we thought we were sat around this table on a couple of occasions yeah. thinking about the um, result. Since then, of course, we've had this extraordinary collapse in the oil price um, across the world. And if Scotland had voted for independence, the economics of it by now would have looked pretty ropey.
4: Well, I mean, if, if Scotland had voted for independence, bear in mind it wouldn't be independent yet. So, you know, sure. It would it'd be the beginning of a sort of two-year process. But people might that. be having second thoughts about the uh, the economics of it, all. I don't think it would be just that that would be giving people second thoughts at this stage. <laughs> you know, the whole—I mean, the whole prospectus, as you know, as Peter said, was was so was so incredibly Mickey Mouse. So, I mean, I don't—I th- think the, the economics would have been shaky. You know, but the I mean the oil price will go back up. This isn't sort of low oil price forever. Uh, but I think there would be plenty more reason to to worry. I mean, it it was sort of closer. It was closer than many expected, but it it just has sort of redefined the manner in which we're doing politics in Britain, particularly in Scotland. It's, you know, if you look at the sort of projected vote of the SNP in the next general election, it's it's soaring. And um, I'm not, uh, we were talking before about Farage and whether people vote on the same reasons in general elections. I'm really not sure what will happen in Scotland next time. Because on one level, I think people will want to be casting a vote for their choice of prime minister. But then it's very, very hard to imagine somebody who voted yes mm. voting Labour or anybody except for SNP at the next general election. It's very hard to imagine that.
3: And do you see Nicola Sturgeon, the new leader of the SNP, mm. as a more forbid- formidable vote-getter than um, Alex
4: Salmond? Within Scotland, I mean, obviously within Scotland, the only votes she's mm. after within, are within Scotland, but, I mean, yes, she's she's uh, she's quite impressive. She's very tough. She uh, she um, And she speaks much more directly to the kind of the votes that... that that yes took off Labour during the referendum. You know, she's more left-wing. She's more of a kind of your sort of, sort of social, s- social democrat type h- type h- figure.
3: Have you drawn her yet, Peter?
2: Uh, yeah, she's mm-hmm. she's easy. Got some features. Uh, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I wouldn't F- say That's she was easy. Fascinating hair. Yes, yeah. so it's so it's l- it's like Lego hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought that's probably one thing I might develop, but uh, she's yet to come into the mainstream, really. So she might
3: might end up looking like a Lego figure. She she? could be. (laughs) Um, Anne Ashworth, it was a fascinating year for those of us in England. Our country was potentially being torn apart by this independence vote, and most of us had no say in it whatsoever. We were just silent, frustrated, worried observers.
5: All throughout the process I felt a bit disenfranchised, because I'm Scots-born, and I thought, I'm not going to have a say in what happens to a place that I still feel in a part of me to be home. Mm. And that remember that tremendous relief when you woke in the morning to find that the vote had uh, gone against independence. Mm. What has happened? You didn't stay up
3: all night waiting for the I resort. stayed up for
5: quite a portion of the night. <laughs> but I think that what is salmoned strikes me he is one lucky guy. He has been able to move himself on from all the consequences of the of the calculations on which the independence campaign was built. That was oil at $113 a barrel rather than around about 60 as at present. And he's now going to be able to recreate himself on the Westminster stage. Mm. And I think he might turn out to be one of the most interesting political figures of 2015. Mm. Um, and also, he is just an example of the modern politics politician that doesn't see consistency as a virtue in any sense whatsoever it's just situational aesthetic ethics in every single situation as the wind as the wind um turns direction he turns direction i can't wait to see what mr we mr salmon is going to uh, treat us to next year actually because
3: i think some of the opinion polls at the moment have smp on about 48 mm. percent mm. in scotland and labour on 24 percent what would be the you the thing you would fear most, Anne, you can have a choice now, you can have Alex Salmon holding the balance of power at the next general election or you can have Nigel Farage holding the balance of power. Uh,
5: um.
3: You're lost for words. I've
5: got to choose between the two. Yeah, that's, okay. that's the horrible I'm with,
3: Christmas quiz I've given.
5: I'm going to go for, I'd rather Mr Salmon held the balance of power. Yeah. yeah.
2: Without
3: um,
5: a doubt. Because I think the man, he hides a very serious intellect underneath all that sort of buffoonery and all those diatribes, I think probably we might, if we knew him well, respect him more than we do.
2: And he wants rid of Polaris. Great idea.
3: (laughs) So we we have three votes for Alex Salmond um, here. Final cartoon, Peter. We've we've, uh, started internationally. Uh, We've been touring the domestic scene and now we are flying above Iraq in... A British, a Royal Air Force jet. Tell us what we see.
2: Yes, this was in September when um, it was announced that Britain had started bombing ISIS in Iraq and to me it was yet another of our forays abroad which always end in failure. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of one instance People used to cite quite recently Libya as being an instance of success. Well, look at it now. And you could say the same about almost every other instance. The big one, of course, was the initial Iraq, Mm -hmm. which I was dead against right from the start. And, you know, it would have to be something really, really special and something that could be usefully applied, Uh, which this wasn't, by the way. I think all that was hit was some truck that um, they seem to have Toyota had a hit on. Anyway, my cartoon um, it actually shows um, the cockpit of a tornado and um, on all the dials you've got labels pointing to the dials and so I have uh, a variety of things which shows my general approach to these things which was testosterone gauge, mission creep warning override switch, <laughs> collateral damage generator moral high ground altimeter and finally oh god was that a wedding party panic button particularly a tough one there and you've generally
3: as you say you've been pretty anti-interventionist throughout the years um we've been fighting in the middle east completely contrary to the general line of the times which has been in favor of intervention um does that cause you any discomfort Has anyone in the newspaper ever wish that you were producing different cartoons or are you completely free to take this different position
2: oh i have had flack actually yeah um, from one or two quite high up figures as it happens uh, in the past i mean uh, in iraq the initial two interventions in iraq the blair one in particular but um no it doesn't worry me at all um, and uh, not enough flack to stop no, absolutely ride, none. Stop i mean none, none, none would it. stop me because um the whole idea of what i do is that you know i come up with my own yeah my own thing and if for some reason i was hitting a vein that was generally the wrong thing as far as the paper was concerned and they were trying to change me to do it, well i'd be off and you're not you're still here i'm still here <laughs>
3: <laughs> Anne ashworth uh peters takes his particular view on on iraq Uh, it's not an issue that's gone away the Times has had a number of um, reports in recent days about the atrocities being committed by ISIS the the, the, the appalling treatment in particular of the Yazidi women that were captured on Mount Sinjar, without necessarily going into the reasons why we are there, just as it's been an issue in 2014, we're going to be hearing an awful lot more about this in the months to come
5: Just looking at this cartoon I think it just shows the disorientation that most people feel about um, our our policies and our actions in that part of the world. The US and its allies, anti-ISIS, ISIS ISIS is anti-Assad, but that still doesn't mean that we are anti-Assad and that we see Assad and ISIS as maybe two sides of the same coin. It's an awful lot to take in and it's an awful lot to try and understand and work out what we should do next. And as to whether our role in that part of the world is something that we can actually play a role in that part of the world. And I think people feel very, very conflicted. I think we are an age now where people really do not know which side to come down on and on Iraq. I just wonder whether when during this during the summer when we should have perhaps been more worried about Ukraine we were too concerned about what was going on in the Middle East I mean there is another question that we must ask ourselves are we just play are we just destined to be people who don't know how we feel anymore Beset by politicians, a very few politicians who have absolutely a very, very clear idea of how they feel. And maybe that's the appeal of people like Salmon and Farage. They, They say, they state things with such certainty that we think, oh, they must be right. Yeah.
3: Because we are led, um, Hugo, final word uh, to you, we're led by politicians, not least Barack Obama, who were partly elected on the basis of ending wars Mm -hmm. overseas, and yet they seem to be dragged into some sort of intervention. They wouldn't be undertaking these interventions if they didn't feel, against the instincts they held only a few years ago, that doing nothing was potentially the worst outcome of all.
4: Well, they're not necessarily always contradictory. I mean, I, like Peter, I'm sort of generally anti-interventionist. I've, I've, I've been, you know, since since the first Iraq war, and I was, for, for a happy year, the, the one member of our leader department who was arguing against <laughs> against Libya, uh, as successfully as that turned out. Um, but um, I have no problem at all with us bombing ISIS in Iraq. I think that's fine. Uh, I think, you know, they're very, very nasty people doing very nasty things. And I'm coming around to the conclusion that if we are to intervene, it sometimes makes sense to intervene on behalf of a government, but it never makes sense to intervene to, dis- to destroy a government. However, however evil and nasty that government may be, and I think Obama is generally along similar lines. I mean, he's not anti-interventionist. What he is is anti—he's uh, anti-grand plan to remake the world. Yeah. Um, and so I think—I um, mean, it's a whole—it's a whole other area. But I think Obama's foreign policy is much maligned. I'm actually quite a fan of it. I think if we'll look back on it in a few years and think it actually made a lot more sense than it maybe seems to now. Okay. So there we have the Hugo Rifkind doctrine. There you mm-hmm. go. Peter, uh,
2: could I just add uh, one point, and and that is that bombing ISIS in Iraq hasn't been successful. Well, I mean nothing <laughs> nothing's come from it, uh, and uh, and therefore my feeling is that uh, you know it is a, another uh, in in the long line of failed interventions basically okay well you
3: did i promise Hugo the final word but it's your cartoon (laughs) you can definitely have the 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 final word and unfortunately on that note we do have to end and i hope you'll join us next week for a special preview of 2015 when i'll be joined by the home news editor faye schlesinger our political editor francis elliott and our foreign editor roland watson when we'll be looking into our crystal balls for what the new year brings Until then, thank you for listening throughout this year and a very happy Christmas to you and to
2: your families. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk.
3: Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.